Ik snap dat je je podcast wil luisteren, dus ik zal het kort houden. Want als jij het belangrijk vindt om duurzame keuzes te maken, kan ASR misschien helpen. Nou hoor ik je denken, hoe dan? Nou, bijvoorbeeld bij het duurzaam herstellen van schade. Of de premies die we beleggen volgens ons duurzaam beleggingsbeleid. Dat bepaalt waar we wel en juist niet in investeren. Wil je meer weten over welke duurzame keuzes ASR maakt? Ga dan naar asr.nl slash duurzame keuzes. ASR doet het. Zo, dan kan je nu lekker naar je podcast luisteren. You're listening to Get Ready for the Best. A series with the greatest stories of the Allianz Sailing World, Kiteboarding, Windsurfing and Parasailing Championships. An event where world sailors will show their pace and talent and where the stakes are high. Sailors from 86 countries will attend, over 1200 athletes, all together performing at the Beach of the Hague in the Netherlands. I'm Chris Wolder, a Dutch sports journalist and I'm looking forward to the Allianz Sailing World Championships. In this series I invite the best sportsmen and women, organizers and top athletes from other disciplines. We'll discuss the beauty of facing the elements, the pressure and the challenges athletes and the sports come across. In short, we'll build up to The Hague, coming August 2023. Today we'll set the scene with Alexander Rickham, five-time world champion parasailing and two-times bronze medalist, nowadays head of sustainability at World Sailing. Welcome, all the way from the UK. Hi Chris, uh, great to talk to you. And Kieran Badlu, Dutch Olympic champion in the RSX discipline. Welcome Kieran. Hi, thank you for having me, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I'm very honored that you have the time for this uh, podcast in your busy schedules. Uh, Kieran, you call the RSX an old door. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, we do. It's uh, If you put it next to your door, it's about the same size. <laughs> That's where the expression came from. It's uh, it functions as a door if you wanted to, but uh, no, it's it's a beautiful board. It's uh, served us very well in the past, but we've made a change and we're uh, we're we got some very exciting new times ahead. Yeah, it is, and it, it's also a, a big chance for you. Of course, you were one of, of the favorites in the new discipline, uh, the, the IQ foil. What, what's the big difference between uh, foiling and the old door? <laughs> Our uh, beloved old door. It, it, I think the biggest difference that um, the foil, the part that that's happening on the water, we have kind of like an, uh, if you have to explain it, it's an airplane-like figure underneath our board uh, with multiple wings. And because of that, if that goes through the water at a certain speed, it will generate lift and our whole set of equipment will hover above the water. And the old board would just be a regular windsurfing board going through the water. So that's That's the biggest difference with it. Yeah, and, and, and the sense of speed and also the, the sense of, of tactics and how you have to compete with it. Um, Alexandra, yeah, you, you are a legend in the, I don't know if I pronounced correctly, SKUD 18. Is it the SCUD 18? Yeah, the SCUD 18. Yeah, you, you started in uh, when you were 13, of course, by, uh, yeah, by circumstances. Uh, yeah, so I had a diving accident when I was 13 um, and was I broke my neck and so became tetraplegic, so a full-time wheelchair user. And um, following on from that, I got the opportunity to go sailing when I was in rehab initially, and that sort of kind of gave me a bit of a taste. You yeah. know, and I, I was a water baby before my accident, and I, even though I had my accident in water, I still loved it. And so sailing, um, when I was given the opportunity with the Scud, I grabbed it with both hands, basically. Yeah. You were a water baby, what's that? I mean, uh, you were born in <laughs> Kingston, Jamaica. I mean, is, is that also, yeah. then, then the water is close? 
yeah, the water is close. It's there everywhere that you look. So, um, yeah, no, I just, I always loved water, loved spending time in the sea. And, you know, whether it's the sea or the pool, whether it was competitively swimming, you know, kind of anything to do with water, I've always been obsessed. Yeah. And is that the same for you, uh, Kiran? You went to the Caribbean as well uh, for three years, right, Kiran? Yeah, yeah, we went to the to the Dutch Caribbean. My dad could actually go there for a job uh, and managed to uh, bring the family along with him. So together with my mom and my, my little sister, uh, we had the opportunity to live there for a couple of years. Um, and for me, when I was nine, I, uh, I actually got a birthday present, which was a windsurfing lesson. Okay, and just one was, lesson. Uh, in Heinz. Just, oh, I think it was three at the time, three okay. lessons, but uh, with, with no sort of any goal for a future career or anything, just, just for fun. And I yeah. think uh, in hindsight, if we look back at it, it was sort of a, a golden birthday present because it set me up for the rest of my life with what I wanted to do and what I love. And actually from that moment on, developed passion for the water and then the elements and the sport. And I just, every, every other activity that I did had to make room for, for windsurfing and sailing. Initially, uh, I wasn't that good at it. And I was kind of <laughs> scared because uh, where, where we lived in Bonaire, we had the Sorbonne Bay, uh, which was quite famous for windsurfing because it's quite shallow. But but I managed to get myself stuck on the tiny little part of reef that was there, and uh, <laughs> and that scared me. That scared me a lot. But um, no, once I got the hang of it, it was uh, uh, it's the sensation of speed on the water, and of course the weather there helps, right? It's it's nice and warm, it's comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you just love spending time there because it's that hot outside. Yeah. And then having that sort of adrenaline rush during during windsurfing, that's what got me hooked in the end. And and for you, Alexander, because yeah, you you went diving eh, below water, and then you're above water. And then you're you're in in this in this boat, and was it also love at first sight for you, or was it more relaxing, calming, and just gradually thought, well, hey man, this could be me. No, I think it was love at first sight. I think the first time I went sailing, I kind of really was like, this is really cool. Like you know, I mean, I think the power of the wind and the water, and it, you know, you're in the natural elements and you're living and breathing and experiencing all the power that nature has and for me that's yeah. really cool that's you know that's what i love about sailing is that you know you're working with nature yeah well my little table is stuffed with all the prizes that you won uh, figuratively spoken i mean it, it, it's unbelievable what you both have achieved and still are achieving when you look at your own career and and when you look at your own sailing skills what is for you the best moment on the water in terms of moment i guess from a competitive side, the best moment was the first time we won the Worlds, like if I was going to pinpoint a moment. But then in terms of the experience of sailing and the feeling, for me, is when you look back at land. Because like for me, the view from the water of the land is an incredibly unique perspective that not everybody gets to experience. And it really makes you recognize how small we are in the grand scheme of things. Are there any perfect circumstances around, around that? So like the sunshine and the wind and, and the sound of the waves and, you know, what's that feeling? You know, I like it to be the sun shining. I mean, Rio, we had some amazing days, if I'm going to be honest, for training out there. It was phenomenal. And, you know, I remember one day in particular, you're looking back at, you know, the Christ up above and Sugarloaf Mountain. And, you know, it's yeah. a beautiful, hot, sunny day. And then some dolphins just decided to come swimming by as we're you know as we're training and you know it doesn't get any better than that to be honest with you amazing and and how's that with you kieran it's funny what alexandra said because i recognize that a lot it's um i've said it multiple times now is that people actually buy these very expensive apartments to have sea view and go and look at the sea 
<laughs> for me, the perspective the other way around is so much more satisfying. Is yeah, you're you're out in the ocean and you feel so small and you're by yourself and you look at the the skyline of where you're sailing. It's it's and especially during sunset for us here in Holland in the Hague, it's that the sunsets in the west. So you have the sun in the back yeah. lighting up the city, and that just gives an, an an unbelievable perspective of where we live and where we are in this world. Yeah, but it, yeah, in in terms of of actual windsurfing, like you say the the sensation of speed and the sensation of of wrestling the elements, uh, dealing with stuff that is so far beyond your control, uh, and and trying to use that as best as possible. It's it's it gives me an adrenaline rush and at the same time a very calm and and quiet peace of mind. And I think the combination of that is it's very hard to find elsewhere. It's very hard to find an adrenaline rush while you're you're at peace. Yeah. And I think I think sailing and windsurfing really offers that, and that's what what's quite unique about it. Actually, two different things coming together there, and, and two very very opposite things as well. Opposite, yeah, that, that was the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, every episode will start with an anecdote by Nicholas Heiner. He is world champion laser 2014, of course, and multiple Dutch champion in the fan class. And he became fourth at the Olympic in Tokyo 2021. Currently, he's sailing the world during the ocean race. I did ask him about his love for sailing too. Sailing for me is like no other sport. It's uh, such an all-round sport and environment we uh, we thrive in. It's um, just by disciplines. Um, you can choose like Olympic sailing where it's all about pushing yourself 110% at 100% of the time and you fight for every little centimeter um, against your opposition. And the other side, you got the more offshore ocean race sailing where it's a massive battle against the elements and you, you go from no wind to basically storms, massive storms. And it's that trying to push the boat as hard and as possible and yourself as hard as possible for an extended period of time and um, just facing those big challenges of the elements I think it's it makes you feel pretty small and um, that, that yeah that if you can survive that or uh, thrive in that it's a, it's a great feeling to yeah to to use the elements and to to face it and on the other side, you got the America's Cup, the, the match racing, where it's toe to toe. You one one against the other, and there's only a winner and there's only a loser. There's no in between. It's an amazing environment. It's an amazing playground and a diverse playground. And I don't think there's any office where you'll find that big of diversity. Um, no day is literally the same. No day is literally the same. Nicholas says, "Well." Do you recognize that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, no day is the same. Whenever you go on the water, you always learn. And I think what's really cool about sailing is like you'll meet, you know, a sailor who's been, you know, is in their 70s or 80s. And they'll literally tell you that every single day that they've been out on the water and every time that they've gotten in a boat that they've learned something new about sailing as a sport. And I think that's phenomenal. That's incredibly unique. There are not very many sports where I think that you can really say that. Yeah. After uh, Rio, you quit your career in the boat. Sustainability went a big theme in your yeah. life, right? Yeah, I know for sure. I think, um, you know, Rio was quite a big wake-up call. Uh, obviously, I'd studied environmental science and, and technology. And yeah. so um, when we were in Rio, it was pretty devastating to see the state of the water. The bay 
um, Guanabara Bay was, you know, it's pretty heavily polluted. Um, there was a lot of rubbish and garbage, you know, plastics in the water and, you know, and also the water quality um, in the lead up to the games, you know, wasn't the best. I mean, eventually it got to the levels that it was safe, but it was, you know, it was uh, it was quite an eye opener for, you know, sailing. And I think I really knew that I wanted to go back into into the field and, you know, and work in sustainability again and had the opportunity to combine my two loves, so sustainability and sports. And so, so I started going down that, that route. Yeah, and Kieran, you were there in Rio as well. Also, of course, with uh, with Dorian. What's the strangest thing that you saw floating in the water there? You you don't want to know, honestly. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, from whole from house appliances to garbage to there there's dead animals floating around. It's just that the yeah. whole structure in the country was not up to the standards that we're used to. So. Um, you know, for them, survival was it was a whole was a bigger priority yeah. than yeah. Um, dividing their trash and even putting trash in the trash bin. Like it was not on their agenda. And you know, because there's quite a lot of mountains around the the bay that we used to sail in, um, and and with a big rainfall, everything would just drift down and would would co- collect into this point of where we had to embark onto the water. So yeah. it was it was quite frustrating, and I think for me as well. That's when I got there, and I think the first time we went went to Rio was in 2014, and that was for me a, a very decisive moment in my at that stage very young career that I realized what was going on. And like you said earlier, I knew Rio from the pictures I've seen online, and that was the Copacabana and and the yeah the white beaches and crystal clear water. And I was going there with a couple of swim shorts thinking it was going to be amazing. And then when we realized where we had to go sailing, it was the total opposite. So that was really a, a wake-up call for me to try and, and use what we are as athletes to bring the pictures that you don't see to you and, and make you aware of what's going on in the places that that we are sailing around in daily, but for other people are not, not very visible. And you use, uh, for example, your social media uh, channels also to, to, to show that piece of the world and to show the importance of sustainability, right? Yeah, I, I think if you if you see yourself as an athlete, um, you, you're a marketing tool as well. And that could go yeah. for, for sponsors and for, for generating income, but also for sharing your own message. And like I said, for me, that was a defining moment where I said, I think this is a time where we can use our platform as athletes to share so many more important things that are going on in, in the world. And yeah, I'm still going to show that I'm having a great time windsurfing wherever I am, but I'm also going to post stuff about uh, about the plastic pollution that we saw, about cleaner ways for energy, about global warming, all the things that we are affected with. Because yeah. as an athlete, you have quite a following and there's a lot of people wanting to follow you for the cool things. And if you every now and again post a few of these things in between, you can make them aware of what's going on. and. In the end, that's the goal for for an athlete. I think is you can share something with whoever's following you, and if you can share the right things, we can make the whole world aware of what's going on. And Alexandra, how important in that object is an athlete like Kieran, uh, who is doing it the way he does, and the greatness of these championships? How how important is that for you as as head of sustainability? For myself and for World Sailing, it's incredibly important, you know, having athletes use their platform, you know, us using sport as a platform to drive change and to really to bring to light, you know, as Kieran said, to bring to light these 
these issues that are that we're seeing all over the world, you know, and so and I think the thing is that we're not it's not a case of pointing a finger. It's a case of saying, actually, look, this is happening. What can we do? You know, are you aware of it? You know, and it's and then actually, you know, and what are the individual steps that we can make? So, you know, the World Championships as an event has steps that it can make. Right. But also you as an individual can make choices that are actually going to benefit, you know, the, the greater global population. Yeah. And, and how in your role during the World Championships, how do you want to make the difference? We have some really clear objectives. So we at World Sailing, we have uh, so really kind of post Rio, there was we created Agenda 2030, which is our sustainability strategy. And it's got 56 deliverables that are both environmental and social objectives. And within those objectives, we have things like, you know, the number of coach boats that we have on the water, you know, how do we reduce that? You know, so we're actively working with the member national authorities to reduce it slightly controversial, but, um, mm-hmm. but, but the realities yeah. are that we need to, to get the numbers down because less coach boats means less coach boats with combustion engines. Cause as much as we do yeah. on nature with the sailing boats, there is also the support fleets. So, yeah. um, so there's that side of things. You know, and then obviously best practice, you know, so no single use plastics, you know, being utilized on, on, you know, we're a water sport that goes against everything that we're, our objectives are looking at our energy, you know, what are we using, our water consumption. So obviously we know we're in, you know, we're in the Netherlands and, you know, you guys are big on water. So it's, <laughs> it's a great opportunity for us to to really look at kind of, you know, our water use and kind of what we do as an event. So there are, there are loads of different touch points all over, you know, transport, we're, uh, world sailing, you know, we're, our aim is to have all of our staff travel, you know, who are based in the UK to travel to the events via public transport. So, you know, using the Eurostar, come by train, all of those different facets is, you know, are, are going to help. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we have we have a very nice conversation now, but I know that you are athletes and athletes do want to win. So a little quiz. Are you quite fanatic? Uh, uh, Kieran, are you a fanatical quiz uh, player? I, I don't like losing and that's including windsurfing and board games and em- everything in between. So, uh... All right. Okay. And you, Alexandra, are, are you, you have the same thing? Uh, yeah, I would say I'm fairly competitive in <laughs> Okay, well, there are three questions, so we do uh, have a winner. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that. Uh, but for the safety reasons, it's, it's good that we're not in the same room then maybe now. <laughs> Here we go. How many boats and boards will be used during the tournament in The Hague? What do you think? Uh, la- ladies first, Alexandra. 700. Uh, yeah. 700 and, 705 how about that okay and kieran what do you think oh that's a tricky one i uh, i'm gonna have to say i'm going for there's usually around 1400 people competing yeah 1200 uh, double-handed so i would say 800 939 so that's one nil for the Ooh. netherlands <laughs> it's on yeah. It's on. It is on. No. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm. I'm looking at Alexander. She takes another zip from her water, so she is fired up now. Um, how old was the youngest person ever when she set the sail for her solo sailing around the world? Oh God. It was in the Netherlands. A big story. So. Yeah. Fourteen. 
I say 14 years old and 64 days. You're both correct. It's 14 years old. The dates, I don't know. So, of course, we're talking about Laura Decker. uh, And she did it, which was extraordinary. It's 14. So, you you both got a point. Two for Kira now, one for Alexandra. Holland's in the way, but England is trailing. So, then we can go to the last question. Here we go. How many golden medals did Ben Ainsley win at the world championships he participated in? This is a tough one. Yes. I'm thinking he won five of those. Okay, five. I'd go higher. Five for Kira. Yeah, I'd say seven. Seven for Alexandra. The answer is ten. Means that you're tied now in the score, <laughs> so it's two all. <laughs> this is the last uh, yeah attempt for me to, to get this because we do want to have a winner, of course. But how many Olympic bronze medals did he got? Zero. Zero. I feel like you know this one, but I'm gonna say one. And the solution is no bronze for Ben. So that means, Alexandra, you win this question and you win this quiz. Great. Team GB at the lead. I'm excited. We finished uh, the quiz with Ben Ainsley. What does he mean for the sport? I mean, I think, you know, Ben has been the most unbelievable competitor in the sport. You know, um, uh, Contrary to to, to, to research, um, he you know yeah. he has a selection. I think it's five uh, Olympic medals in total, maybe. Uh, so you know, silver and, yeah, and four golds, which yeah. is an unbelievable record to have. And yeah. um, you know, he's competed in every aspect of the sport. Uh, I think maybe you know he's done. A, I think a little bit of offshore, but mostly you know with short shorter course racing and. Uh, you know, f- just a phenomenal competitor, you know, and he's an ambassador for the sport in terms of kind of bringing it more to the masses. And obviously within the UK, he's, yeah. you know, he's a big sporting figure. And Kieran, your inspiration is, of course, of, of course, I, I think that is, is Dorian or not? Well, p- part of it is, yeah. It's, um, it's funny because as a kid growing up, I didn't really have role models within the sport because my whole reason for doing it was for fun yeah so i never looked at athletes and, and went wow he's so amazing because he won all of that i was just looking at some guys like wow he looks like he's living a very cool life and he's having a lot of fun <laughs> and dorian was definitely one of those guys yeah so that really attracted me to what he was doing um you know and and at the same time being an amazing competitor um being the only windsurfer so far to get two golds back to back, yeah, um, yeah, like That's bizarre, yeah, for, like Ben is for sailing. Uh, Dorian is a little bit for the windsurfing community. He's he's one of those that came once in in a long era, and he's just he's been phenomenal for his uh, for his whole career. And how much Dorian is inside Kiran? Uh, there, there's a little bit in there. It's, it's. And I don't want to implicate nice that he is. Uh, you're all equal, of course. But I no, <laughs> I get that. No, but you know, when when I joined his team um, together with Aaron, who was who was our coach, Aaron yeah. McIntosh. Yeah, still is a um, coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I was an 18 year old, maybe 17 year old kid that just knew how to windsurf real fast, 
and everything that came after that the the racing side of it the tactical skills uh, the physical side how to train how to become fitter and stronger and even how to carry myself as a person uh, comes partly from from Aaron and also from Dorian we started off as friends um, with him being the reigning Olympic champion and me being a little good windsurfer and I managed to learn and progress so much in such a short time under their wings that we became equal and we're now fighting for this one ticket and before all of this competitiveness happened we were friends so that was always the basis of our relationship it's like I, I like hanging out with you a lot and I like participating in my hobby together with you you know we're, we're doing what we love around the world and we're doing a couple of races with hundreds and other guys that are crazy enough to like this sport and we're just following the circus around the world having a good time in, in while we're doing it and that was the basis of what we were doing and, and the competitiveness came second. From the story, we go to the reality of the water. I mean, The Hague is coming. How are you doing at this moment, Kieran? And what are your chances? <laughs> My chances are 50-50. I'm either going to win it or I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's so, a straight answer. But That's a very but, straightforward and as political, as you know, The Hague is a political center yeah. of the Netherlands, so uh, yeah, you sound yeah. perfect. But uh, how, how are you doing at this moment? I'm I'm doing a lot better. Like like you said earlier, it's uh, with with the whole um, uh, delay of the of the Olympics. Uh, my my switch to this new class that we're now doing is being sort of cut short a little bit. Yeah, um, where everybody was learning how to foil, I was still trying to improve my skills on the the old door as we've labeled it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I've had a quite a short run to this whole in this whole campaign actually, into leading up towards the games. Um, but I am noticing that I'm making a lot of steps recently. I'm, I'm gaining a lot of speed and a lot of confidence quite quickly. So it's going well, I must say. It's, uh, I'm, I'm not there yet. I still got a few things to work on and, and trying to understand this new style of sailing for us. But I'm, uh, I'm improving every day and I'm, I'm, I'm mostly just happy to be embracing this new challenge. And I think if we would have stayed on the old board, it would have been a little boring for me. Yeah. And it would almost lead to the point that I would say, oh, maybe this is enough, you know, I, I like to find some new challenges for myself. Um, but this came at the exact right moment where I've sort of been thrown in the deep um, with, yeah, with the knowledge that I don't have a lot of time and I have a whole new skill to learn. So it, it's going well, but I've always, uh, the competitor in me always wants to do a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because yeah, and, and that's uh, that's of the main importance. But I'm I'm very happy to hear that that you're doing well and you're improving. But competing in in your own country on a unique event uh, on your own shores, uh, uh, you've been there, Alexander and Weymouth, of course. Uh, the Olympics, London, uh, 2012. Is there any advice that you have, Alexander, for Kieran? I think the thing is, and I mean, windsurfers tend to be better at it than, than, than the rest of the sailors, but uh, it's just to enjoy it. You know, at the end of the day, you don't get it very often. That's the thing. And I think that the more that you can enjoy it is the better. You know, I think um, I, I enjoyed uh, London, but I enjoyed it more post, <laughs> post the racing than yeah, I did probably yeah. when we were actually on uh, when we were racing and um, I would have kind of I guess liked to have bottled that up because it's so you know all of these things only become memories in the long term don't they so as the more you can enjoy it and the more you can embrace it and have fun and and really live in the moment that you're there it's like the better it's going to be 
Thank you very much. And, and thank you, Alexandra and Kieran, for, for being with us in this show. It was a huge honor. And of course, uh, I hope to see you soon in The Hague. <laughs> best of luck in preparing to get ready for the best. And thanks for joining Alexandra Rickham and Kieran Badlu. Thanks. Thank you, guys. In the next episode, I'll discuss the championships that will come up and how to organize such major events with head of the Dutch Water Sports Association's Arno Vergerven and sportive director of the Formula One Dutch Grand Prix, Jan Lammers. I'm wondering which challenges sailing and motor racing have in common. Thank you for listening to Get Ready for the Best. The Allianz Sailing World Championships are from the 10th till the 20th of August in The Hague. Hope to see you there. This podcast series is powered by Allianz.